Welcome to The Black Athlete, a podcast where we put the past into the present of black sports. I'm Lewis Moore. I'm Derek White. We're sports historians here to give you the historical context for contemporary black athletes. And welcome back to The Black Athlete. I'm Lewis Moore, author of I Fight for a Living, and We Will Win the Day, which is out on paperback. And you can check out my Audible African-American Athletes Who Made History, which is on Amazon. Derek White, author of The Challenge of Blackness, The Institute of the Black World and Pol- Political Activism in the 1970s, as well as Blood, Sweat, and Tears, Jake Gate, the Florida A&M, and the History of Black College Football. Welcome back, Lewis Moore. Uh, it's good to be back. It's been a while. We are sorry, everybody. We are sorry, but we are back. <laughs> This is a this is a hard time of the season. This this has been a crazy semester. I had we had dreams of being far more regular this semester, but uh, this has been a tough semester. I think just for the whole for everyone. I'm glad it's over though. I just got papers great. How <laughs> did it's not over? No, it's 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 been the hardest because I don't think we realized how hard it was going to come back a year and a half, almost two years without teaching. Um, and then you're in mask and then the students aren't ready for it. And and now it's cold and it's, you know, it's just been awful. Uh, but I have five more days, I think of grading and then I'm out. I think my grades are officially due in like 10 more days, but I'm getting that bad, all that crap done, done, done. And then let them cry and complain about their grades. Um, but I've been up front. <laughs> look, look, I'll be honest with that. I've been up front. I said, look, I'm going to finish this stuff by Wednesday. And that gives you like four days. Um, and so I've been pretty, pretty upfront about them. And, and if they have uh, like a beef, then, you know, let me hear it. Um, but you know, I am the most easygoing prof, just get your work in type of prof, which sucks at the end of the year, because there's some people who will take full, <laughs> full advantage. It's going to, and are really going to have me, you know, grading 16 worth, weeks worth of stuff in like six days. Um, but you know, as long as they get the content, I'm good. Oh, you better than me. I, I'm, 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 I'm pretty lenient, but you guys, we gotta set that up in the, at the beginning. You can't just start dumping stuff into the, the queue. Oh, yeah, it's from, the worst, though. It's from, the worst from three months from three months ago. It's the worst. <laughs> it's the worst because you're like you think you're done, and then it's like, oh, paper one, which was due September 28th. Like, wow, what is? What do, you, <laughs> exactly. what do you want me to do with this paper that's two months late? Like, what do you you want? <laughs> exactly oh man um how's your book sales going man i heard you i heard you the word on the street was you was moving units man you said the prices of brick went up yeah you know as fat joe said yesterday's prices ain't today's prices i'm just trying to look for the next deal um i don't know i don't know how you know i know i know that Derek has a 360 contract coming uh i I don't know how to the, I know. I don't know how the, the sales are going, you know, initially. And I, and I think all the listeners, you know, the Amazon had sold out, but that could mean that maybe they had 20 books in the warehouse. I, you know, I never really check until that check gets here. And then I still think those numbers are funny. Like, cause we'll never really know how many books we sold, right? Like I'll be the, I'm not complaining to people, by the way. Uh, but I am kind of complaining, but you know, that I fight for a living. Well, it's in, in, it's in classes, right? And then you get that check back and you're like, wait, this isn't like in classes check, <laughs> right? Um, but, you know, it's, I, you know, I can't, I can't complain. Um, all I really wanted was the price to drop so people could get their hands on it. So, so I'm good. 
Um, nah. you know, yeah. So I'm good. No, that's good, man. That's good. I saw you was handing out the what football cards and everything. Look at you. Yeah, them, yeah, them, yeah. You know, so that's I've, how you know you got kids. You giving them that opening experience that apparently, if we did this on YouTube, we'd be uh, considerably more rich, uh, considerably richer than we would uh, than writing the books. That's for sure. <laughs> right. I should. I should probably start a show where it's just me opening up packs of old football cards because because I'll tell you, listeners, it's it's really fun and it's cheap, right? And so you could buy a box of the ninety or ninety one football cards. Now those are the only ones because once you get into eighty nine, that's that's out the price range because you're talking uh, Barry Sanders rookie, you're talking Dion rookie, you're talking uh, Troy Aikman rookie, who else? Derek Thomas rookie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're it, that uh, Tony Mandridge. In oh, he's Tony Mandridge. No, right? Tony. Is, is Thurman <laughs> in? Um, is Thurman in '89 rookie class or no? Uh, that Barry Sanders, Barry, Barry, Barry's in there, right? So that's yeah. like uh, to get a box of those if they're even there, you're looking at 400. But to get a box of 1990. 15 bucks for 36 packs. Right. And so if you spread those out, you're just like looking and understand that they're worth nothing. Right. Um, but they're still pretty cool. Right. It's still cool to, you know, 30 years later, pop a Barry or Dion, and you, you know, you, you go check eBay it's worth 99 cents and you're, you're, you know, <laughs> you're, you're pumped. So you're like, yes. So, yeah. No, I love it. I love no, it. It's and, a you know. nostalgia. No, that's good. I thought that was a pretty clever idea and uh, in, in, in promoting your books. That's way better than the bookmarks that uh, uh, our fellow colleagues often give out at conferences to, to remind us when they, uh, to buy their book. So look at right, you. Right, right. No, everyone. no, it is. It is. You know what? The other thing is I get, I get super excited when people just open a pack. Right. And so um, mm-hmm. I don't know what you call our, our office manager. Uh, her, her husband's a big card collector and I gave him a pack and this dude pulled two Bo Jacksons and a Warren Moon. I was like, dang, man, I was super jealous. But in return, out of kindness, he gave me an icky, he gave me an icky woods uh card, a game with a game worn of supposedly game worn jersey and signed. So I'm I'm super pumped because you know, oh. Icky Woods. I'm doing the Icky Shuffle. That's what I'm saying. That, that is a that is a literally a throwback. Um <laughs> what else has been happening? It's in the world. Uh Lakers. Lakers are awesome. how, like, the Lakers are awful. What do they got? Let's real quick, because it's too early for NBA talk, but I want to, what, what do they got to do right now? You GM. GM, you know what? Honestly, and I, and I know I sound like old school, like Bobby Knight here. It And it's Anthony Davis got to play like he wants, like winning is the most important thing to him. And and Anthony Davis is super talented, but winning is not the most important thing to him. Um, You know what I mean? Like he's not Giannis, right? Like I think he's just as the potential to be just as great. He's just as talented, but he doesn't have that. I want to win every single play. I want to win every single game. And I think part of it is his mentality. And part of it is, is when you're around someone like LeBron, whose focus is not winning every single game, but is to get into the playoffs and then win. I think that changes your team's mentality. And they struggle, they'll struggle in the regular season because they have a lot of guys like that who, oh, the real season is in the playoffs. But those, that's, you know, four or five months away around, and you don't have the young horses to get you there as you kind of coast to it. And I think Anthony Davis needs to be that guy for, for two, three years of his career. And then he's set forever, right? Like he plays really yeah. hard these next two years, three years. He, he, 
he ends his career top 15, top 20. If he doesn't, he's still like people like me. How's this dude top 75, right? And it's all, you know, he has all the money in the world, so he doesn't need to. Right now, it's just about pride, right? He There's nothing else he needs out of life, right? There's no, He's got all the money yeah. in the world. He should be satisfied. He's 28, 29 years old. Well, you know, how do you want to be remembered if this is your dream? Uh, just give three years, just give all in, and then you can coast the next 10 after that, and and nobody will care. I think this is the this is the danger of having all those veterans because they all know how the sausage gets made. They all understand that the playoffs is where the bread gets buttered, right? Like this is where they make this is where they made their careers, right? And so, you know, Westbrook used to be that young dude who went every night, you know, put up a bunch of stats, try to get you some wins in the regular season, but he's he's no longer capable. I mean, he's just older, right? Like you can't you can yeah, they got an old team there. Everybody's over eight to thirty two, I think. Um, so it's an interesting thing. Like, and you compare them to like, um, to like the Warriors who are playing all those young dudes. Like, I didn't think that that was going to work, that they would have that core of Draymond and Steph, even Kevin Looney now, cause, cause Clay's not back, but then they going to pair it with, you know, Jordan Poole and, and Gary Payton, the second, um, you know, like they those young dudes, Jordan Poole getting up 14, 15, 16 shots every night. <laughs> right. Right. Well, you, you know, they're trained for that, though. Right. And so, look, those young dudes can't win you a playoff. Set. They can't win you a championship, but they can get you to the playoffs in a great position because they have young legs and their game and their skill sets all the same. Right. They've been. For the last 10 years, they've been training to go one-on-one for this moment for this spread basketball, right? Just to just to boom, boom, take you out to dribble. And a team like the mm-hmm. Lakers can't defend that because they're so old, right? Like you just yeah. Yeah. You can't stay. And they don't got enough young, you know, and Malik Young Monk is not that type of guy. And so you need Monk, you need uh what Horton Tucker, you need that those the that young energy. Should have kept Caruso. Right. So you can mix like these young guys in there and get some real minutes. Um, so we'll see. I think LeBron's aging before our eyes and we don't want to admit it. Like he just can't play. I mean, two years ago, yeah, but he still can't play, but he can still play. But he can't he can't go like that young Cleveland team. I, I don't still understand how they gave up 20 point leads to Orlando. But it's <laughs> rare if we'll ever see him in a game playing a, a significant game minus Miami just folding in 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 the bubble where his team right right it's just dominating and he's just going full tilt he just can't he's got to slow it down he just can't play that way anymore no and he knows how to i mean the other thing is about being you know at that age you can pick your spots you still average like 25 points a game which is still kind of crazy to think about 18 straight years i saw the stat the other night um right. and so it'll be interesting if he makes it 19 if this is 19 or 18 i can't remember but yeah, um, uh, real quick. Speaking about picking my spots, that's how I grade papers, right? Like I'm an old man. I got to pick my spots when I'm gonna grade <laughs> to have the most successful time. Can't just young exactly. young Lou Moore could grade all day, he grade every day, all day, and get done. Old yeah. Lou Moore's like, yeah, I got to pick my spots here. I gotta. That's this is the time I've set aside to grade, and this is the only thing I can do. That's hilarious. Um, let's let's get on this coaching carousel, man. This has been. Um, this has been the most lucrative season for college football. Cause we talked about, did we talk about this the last time we started? It was the front end. We were interested yeah. to see. And now we've got a lot of movement. We 
for our listeners who may not be college football fans, uh, we've had a really unprecedented movement at the top end of college football, where we where we saw uh, Lincoln Riley leave the University of Oklahoma for USC. We saw Brian Kelly leave uh, Notre Dame for LSU and then put on a fake Southern accent to, to top <laughs> it all off. Um, we've uh, seen uh, the University of Washington job open, Virginia Tech job open, Florida was open. Um, and in the course of this shuffle, uh, a lot, the number of black coaches got paid. So let's talk, you know, first we start with James Franklin, who, who is perpetually a tie to every major opening for the last three or four seasons. And so he used the early, he was like the horse out the gate on the first turn of this race of this Derby. Uh, and he got an extension, a considerably long extension. Um, that is, I think it was 10 years. 75 million. Yeah, he got 10. He pretty much got tenure. Yeah. Yeah, he got it right. Um, although he does have a low buyout. So I think this is a job that it's this is a contract that gives him some financial security, but it also gives uh, Penn State some flexibility in terms of how they uh, get out of that if they want to in a handful of years. Um, then Mel Tucker, who is the real big winner, right? Who took a win over a top 10 ranking, a playoff, you know, a playoff ranking. Uh, went over Michigan, uh, and then turned that into what did he get? Ten years too? Eight million? He got years, like 90, million? 90 million, 90 million or something, something yeah. crazy. Yeah, and that's at the market, right? Those those two extensions hit the market for the guys for Lincoln Riley and for Kelly Jimbo Fisher had gotten a uh, another raise, I think, earlier this year. He's already making like nine million dollars. Um, Nick Saban has a clause in his contract that means he'll be the highest paid coach every year. So he'll be the highest paid coach by a dollar, I think is what it is. Um, and then we saw once these job openings happened and we saw a couple of, I think to me, um, uh, at least one surprising hire. And let's talk about this Marcus Freeman. You made a tweet that of the number of schools that had hired two black coaches and uh, Notre Dame was on that list. Who else was on the list? Do you remember off the top uh, of Let's see. So Notre Dame, uh, let me get this right. Notre Dame, Stanford, Stanford. and Washington, they're all tied to Ty Willingham. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe Colorado have Mel and they got a brother right now. Carl um, Right. Who was that? Was He was at UCLA, right? So they have that. I think someone mentioned Northwest. I know Denny Green was there. I can't remember if someone else was there. I don't know who um, else the second coach would be at Northwest. Yeah, I don't Denny know. Green was there. Um, yeah. I was thinking Illinois, but your your boy from Maryland was never the head coach, right? No, Ron Zook was the head coach. Uh, yeah, and so he was just your guy was just recruiting. Um, he Dandy, the, he's the offensive coordinator. Give him credit. Give him credit. <laughs> Dandy, uh, Vanderbilt, oh, right yeah. with Franklin and and Derek Mason. Not that Derek. I don't think it's that Derek Mason. It must be a different Derek Mason. No, I'm trying a, to, but. Oh, not the Derek Mason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's Derek Mason. He used to be the Stanford defensive coordinator. Right. But it but it's such a small thing, right? It just, so it's rare it stands out in that sense. But to me, the biggest standout is that this is the, you know, in college, in, in, in big time college, this is the first time where a young black guy gets a job like that with, with not yes. really, I mean, he's a D coordinator, but no, no proven ground, no having to go up like, you know, Coach at Western Kentucky, coach at some Florida school, you know, make his way mm-hmm. up the from the mid majors. He he goes straight into a big time job as a young guy, and that 
is super rare. We've seen it once with Tomlin and I think Raheem Morris in the NFL. Um, but we've never seen it in college. But we've never seen it in college, right? It's, you know, and I think to not, me not that's a, important, yeah. right? Because it's- Yeah, it's, well, in a blue chip yeah, job, ahead. especially, right? No, it just says a blue chip job, right? So you're talking about Notre Dame is like one of the top three to five jobs in America, right? Like no matter how one feels about Notre Dame, right? Um, right. And so for them to take, a chance on the young, hot assistant. That's something that they don't, they rarely do anyways. Right. Right. In the, right, court, right, right. In the history of the program, right. White or black. So. Right. No, no, no. I can't think of any, anybody in the history of the program. And, and no, Gary Faust young. was like a high school coach two years before he came, uh, yeah. Before he became a coach at Notre Dame, he was pretty right. Terrible. So it's so it's rare, and then <laughs> Notre Dame is not just this U.S. brand; it's a global brand, right? It's one of those few global brands. So so to say, this black guy is going to be the face of our school. Because to be clear, like I I guess your president's probably pretty popular and stuff like that, but the coach is the face of the school, and and for them to say this Mark, you know this this guy right here is is a is the face of our school, but it's also. His defense, I, I think it would have been having a huge, meaningful way if he was like an offense, one of those young, hot. We still don't have a young, hot black OC, right? And I don't mm-hmm. think we've seen one. Maybe Byron left, which was, he's not young, hot. Eh, he's kind of young. Um, yeah. But we don't I mean, treat him like he's that. He's like, right? he's in the, I mean, he's like our age, right? So he's right. in his 40s. But, so. but people don't trip over him like they do. Uh, Sean McVay. Like Kellen Moore, Sean McVay. Oh. You know, the, all these other guys. So it's going to be real interesting. And I think the next thing coming up, what's going to be interesting is is when he coaches, how the announcers critique him, right? Like what, what happens mm, when he calls mm. a timeout out of a certain play? Or he, you know, I don't know if they're throwing the challenge flag, but you know, if he's, if he, does he have the analytics guy with him? Like how is he managing the clock? I think that's going to be super interesting because you watch like a like you know me. I, I love my black quarterbacks, and yes, I'm still writing a book. Though I don't care who get deals. Uh, <laughs> I don't care. I ain't nobody researching like me. But but you know you know every time Lamar throw is oh my god. He, listen listen, it's his accuracy. It's always something. It wasn't really. I ain't hit dude in the hands right sidearm after he does three backflips and they're like, I don't know if he's got it. I think they figured him out. So to me, it's going to be super interesting. Just the, the politics around a young black guy coaching and how, cause it's all white guys in the booth pretty much. Right. And how they're going to yeah. critique him um, and, and the decisions he makes. No, I think you, you're absolutely right. I think uh, the other part is going to be, yeah, I'm going to, you know, it's going to force me to watch Notre Dame games only only for that. Like, not because I care about actually what Notre Dame actually does on the field, but but to, to see some of the, the critiques and criticisms. And I'm sure we won't be the only persons. But, hey, you know, he's a, he's an Ohio State alum. Shout out, Bucks. Um, and uh, I think it's a, it's fair. But I think, you know, what his his rise points to the fact that we rarely see the young black assistant get that very big job the way Lincoln Raleigh got that job at Oklahoma even even was internal right like um and so this is a great opportunity for for Marcus Freeman the other coach hire that happened today look at us waiting on breaking news uh Tony Elliott finally uh took the job at uh the University of Virginia which is not is that a big is that a big job uh, it's a power it's a power five job for Tony Elliott. Um, 
So it's a job. Um, you know, I think I think it's a decent job. There's not a lot of pressure there. I think there's a positive there. You know, he's got right. five to seven years to get it right. Um, well, that's the young hot. That's the young hot OC that didn't get talked to as the young hot OC, right? Like this dude had like well, he turned down jobs last year. I'm an, yeah. in 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 the defense of the industry. He he did turn down jobs, um, uh, right? And I think some of them rightfully so. You know, UVA has a a, a black AD, uh, and so you know, I think this is a good opportunity where we get to see. But as I was listening to someone else say this, you know, it's not, it shouldn't be on the black ADs to hire black coaches because if that's the case, we never go get any black coaches because there are only but like three or four black ADs, right? So, um, right. you know, I think that I think it's important, but I think it's a good job, right? I think it's for Tony Elliott who had been, you know, the the offensive coordinator for those high power Clemson offenses for the last several years. This year, notwithstanding. Um, it's a good opportunity. It's in a region he knows. He's probably already recruiting that area. Um, it's a tougher school, honestly. Academically, he's going to be able to get. He got different. It's different set of kids than the ones that go to Clemson. Um, but that's a good job. And so look at us. You know, look, we got. You know, our numbers in the Power Five have grown this year. Um, did anybody black get fired? Oh, Jimmy Lake. Um, <laughs> yeah, we Washington. talked about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told you he was going to get fired. I, I talked about that. Yeah, I knew he was getting fired. I, I was uh, present. Um, and then who else? Oh, let's talk about Hugh Jackson Hugh taking Jackson. his scrambling job. Hugh Jackson. Wait, 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 wait. And I got this right. Um, uh, where's my man? Real quick, Virginia football. Did my man, uh, before we move on, uh, Aaron Brooks, he, oh, yeah, Aaron Brooks played at Virginia. That's it. That's what, that's my guy. He's got to go, uh, he's got to go get Aaron Brooks and tap him to do some recruiting. That's it. Airbus, <laughs> one, of the great, one of the great black quarterbacks of our generation that we forget to talk about. Mr. Bout it, Bout it out there in New Orleans. That was big time when he made it. But go ahead. Let's talk Hugh Jackson. Because I think somebody I know is still your thunder, but somebody was, I don't know if it was in our talk or what, in our in our little private chat, talking about how Dion moving into the HBCU kind of changed it, right? And all of a sudden, here comes Eddie George. Now here comes Hugh Jackson down. And this is, I I think they're the first NFLer guys coming down. No, there's, I, a, I, there's I mean, a guy at a Mich- there's a guy at Morgan State who played at Michigan. His name is forgetting. Is 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 uh, my mind is blanking right now. But uh, but those three, yeah, four. But has yeah. an NFL coach come down? I can't. No, no NFL right. coach. No. So this is a big. This is a big thing. Like. Um, this is in our chat um, the other day when the news broke uh, and I said this there and I'll say this on air, you know, I think Hugh Jackson is a pretty good football coach, like an above average. I thought he had done some really good things at uh, various stops, very tough places to win Cleveland, Cincinnati, Oakland. Um, those are places that have been traditionally tough to win at. Uh, and he's been, you know, he hasn't been killed, lighting the world on fire, but they've been above 500 many of those seasons. Um, and uh, he definitely knows a lot about offensive football. The challenge for any professional coach coming to the college game is, is recruiting. And the problems and the challenges at HBCUs are tenfold, right? That the America, the public, Black kids in general, even young Black kids don't think of HBCUs as the place where they should launch their athletic career. Uh, and there's, they don't see that as the pathway to the NFL, which is what every young athlete imagines themselves going to the pros. 
and so how they sell that, right? They've got all this tradition, all this legacy, Eddie Robinson, Hall of Famers, all that stuff. And kids will be like, you know what? I'm going to go to McNeese State, right? Because like, cause none of that matters to them, right? Like there's a certain right. sense that they think that these, that, um, you know, as old people, old black people in the South say, they think the white man's ice is colder. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, um, in state, didn't didn't their head uh, guy go with Brian Kelly at LSU? Didn't he tap yes. like their recruiter? Okay. They, yeah, you know, yeah. He's going back to he's going back to uh, LSU to make like two and a half million dollars, I think, as an assistant coach. <laughs> uh, um. So yeah, I mean, I think that's the challenge. And so, like, having a pro, I think he knows X's and O's. I think he can coach positions. Uh, especially on the offensive side. The question is, you know, who's going to be his talent evaluator? Because you're already operating at the FCS. Um, and he just doesn't, like Eddie George, he's not going to have that cachet to draw that people just, I'm interested in because you because of who you are. And I think that's one of the things Dion's been in. I didn't think he was going to be able to do it. Um, but I think his... I didn't think kids this age who never really saw Dion play, <laughs> you think about right. it like that, right? Would recognize Dion, but they saw him on TV. They saw him on, you know, the NFL stuff, but I didn't think they would, that would be enough to draw them in and be like, Ooh, I want to go to Jackson state. And so it's been able to do some of that. He's been able to kind of unlock, especially some high end junior college kids. Um, and they've had a successful season. And I think, you know, imi- imitation is the best form of flattery, right? And I think that these other schools are looking at this, the success that they've had. I think, I think I'll think i say this publicly, I think Hugh Jackson is a better football coach than Dion. Ooh, put it out there. Yeah. Well, Hugh has the pro but he also, I just, I just did, did a quick look. Hugh, Hugh was at USC, right? And he mm-hmm. was... OC and running back. So he's got college experience, right? But yeah, that but was, you know, recruiting that If my math recruit. is correct, that's like 20 plus years, right? And so maybe he he can tap into some people, but the people he knows are, are older heads in LA. Um, you know, now you got to get him to go to Louisiana. The other thing he's got to worry, it's not just recruiting, it's his facilities. And I'm not knocking Grambling. I'm not. I'm not. If you're a Grambling listener, I'm not knocking you. But your players went on strike Oh, less than a decade ago because of the lack of facilities, right? Because mm-hmm. of that. And so I don't know how much they cleaned up or how much they got better, but you some better of that have got better. Some, this, they got a, right. they got a but massive influx of donations, but not like, I mean, I mean, this right. is, you're still, you know, you know, facilities. It's, I think that's this what is you the legacy do. You of gotta, segregation, right? <laughs> right. It's like, but the, the, it's the same thing with normal colleges, right? If you don't have the facilities, you're not going to have the students, right? And so we've, We've we're 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 uh, mortgaging our future here at all these schools, right? Building the we've built like a seventy-five million dollar library. We got a sixty million dollar. Look at me selling my school. We got a sixty million dollar science thing. We got a new econ building. We got a new nursing building. We bought all this property downtown, right? And I'm sure pretty soon that whole wave of hey, let's invest in esports, right? And put up this big old esport room is going to come to us because it's really no matter what you're, if you're doing football or you're just doing students, what facilities do you have? Right. Like what, mm-hmm. like are our facilities different than Ferris state and, and central Michigan, right? Somewhere you mm-hmm. go, are your facilities different than like you say, McNeese state Southern, like what, what, what's, what's that extra kick? Um, I think the other thing that he's gotten in his advantage is he's got NFL bloodlines, right. That yeah. I can get you to the league. And he knows what the league pitch. is like. 
and right. he and he knows what the league looks like in terms of recruiting. I mean, uh, drafting players, developing, coaching, right. like in a real recent kind of window. Whereas I think you know, like Dion brings a player's experience and a commentator's experience, but those are two different things. And managing, you know, re- being required to win on Sundays, which what Hugh Jackson was was kind of forced to do, at least until he got fired. Right. Um, right. But we saw, you know, just on the side, like Marshall Falk put in information. I guess he, he let people know he was interested in the Southern job when that opened up earlier this year. Uh, and so we do see a lot of these NFL guys who are, who are looking at HBCUs as a space. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in the future. Right. Like, can can other programs have the same kinds of success that Dion has had? Uh, and so I think this this coaching carousel looking at. um Looking at uh, Dion and Hugh Jackson is going to be interesting to watch. But but I, and I'll say this: this is the first time maybe when, since Doug went Doug Williams went to coach Grambling and Morehouse that people actually care who's coaching HBCUs, right? Like this is this Dion, Eddie George, Hugh Jackson. So now you're starting to get attention. I think you start to see a little bit of with Dion on TV, and so I I think this adds adds to it the other thing though and you could help me out here is i think it's a bit disrespectful right to think that you just come in and coach an hbcu job like there's not coaches out there who've been grinding away right like this <laughs> this idea that there's not well because we're starting from a standpoint where there's an there's a belief that there's not good coaches out hbcu coaches out there right on mm-hmm. on this you know as assistants who are ready to take over one of these jobs and so you're just like, let me go get some guy who's never coached before, Eddie George, right? Let me maybe yeah. tap Marshall Falk, who's never coached before. Meanwhile, these guys have been, you know, starting from a grad assistant all the way up to a, to offense, defense, coordinator. Like, yeah, let me let me get this big splash guy who who has no experience at all. And I think that's a bit, that's kind of a bit disrespectful. I don't disagree with that. I mean, I think that's what makes the Hugh Jackson hire very different than these other ones, right? Because he brings he brings name recognition uh, from the NFL, but as the NFL head coach, and so I think he's going to bring a different toolkit to this to this to that job than and Eddie George and others. You know, Eddie George had to hire Jeff Fisher, right? Like as right. a coordinator, <laughs> you know, like because he did, really, you know, um, and so I think that there's some of that um, uh, as well. What you got next? Nah, I got no. I'm I'm just you know I'm just. I think it's just interesting to see where every, all this is going. I think that the thing I didn't get to say is is my my whole Mel Tucker, <laughs> my my whole t- Mel Tucker thing is when you said it set the mark. I was like, yeah. I was like, no kidding. Like I think a lot of these coaches saw Mel Tucker, you know, black Mel Tucker get that ninety million, and that's what set the market. Like this dude just <laughs> lost my fifty. Uh, Mel Tucker sitting there smoking a cigar, on you know he's getting ninety. I'm getting ninety. And what's going to be super interesting to me is what Harbaugh gets, right? <laughs> like I know he, he took, took a, a half pay cut. cut. He's about to get. You got to quadruple his money, right? Like what do you or give him the whole state? The other thing though, and this is. I think this is getting buried under all this because now the students have in our, the student athletes have NILs is that this pot of money is really big. 
at a certain point, you're going to have to start breaking these kids off, right? I think oh, the NIL so say, I think it's I think it's getting yeah. to the point where it's ludicrous, right? Like right. that article that was earlier this this semester from the USA Today that talked about the, the amount of dead money being paid was like over a billion dollars wow. to 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 fire fire coaches and you know multiple sports. That's crazy, right? The kids talking about there's never no money, but they ain't no money to pay the players. But then you got a billion dollars on the hook for coaches who who were not good at their job. Um, and so you know, I think it's 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 crazy. It's, some of that's crazy, and and you're right. Like this whole, I mean, I do think there's something very funny and and actually, you know, exploitative. Uh, terribly exploitative when the fact that the kids have to go find some extracurricular person, right. some third party to cut them a check. Um, and and they're not getting that in addition to a university check. That's and the key. I think and the other the issue key, is, yeah. and, no, and I want to say this, because we, we talked about this in our chat, and, and, and I know that the, the budgets are different. I do think that these universities are also cruising for uh, a showdown between the academic house and the athletic house, even though those two budgets at, at almost every university are different, it's hard for 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 adjuncts who are making three thousand dollars a class, teaching five, six, seven, eight classes, went to school for eight, nine, ten years, to to be like, yo, why am I doing this? So the athletic director can get paid. I mean, not the athletic right. director, but the strength coach, the assistant strength coach, making three hundred thousand dollars, right? You know that that's a problem, right? Like at some point, you know, when we see these astronomical sums in the NFL and professional sports, those are professional sports. You know what right. I mean, <laughs> right? Like, uh, and so the guys are getting paid. The minute you know, everybody from the from from the top to the bottom is getting a paycheck. Uh, you know, should some of those administrative people get paid more? Obviously, and probably so. But they're not saying that they're supposed to be teaching history or English or math, uh, and and that faculty members and staff who are underfunded who have to take on these jobs. As we talked about at the beginning, giving these lectures in these COVID masks, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, you know, got to take. You know, your class size has got to get bigger because you got to make sure you get more. You keep your enrollment up. Or you got to, like, you, you know, I know y'all had to do this, to teach an extra class because, you know, we, you know, because of COVID or whatever. Like all those variables are costing. And when you're a junior faculty member or an adjunct contingent faculty, um, you're not making $50,000 a year. <laughs> you know, right, like. Right, no. It's, something's going to happen. And so, the, you know, so that, you know, it's hard. I mean, you're not making $50,000 a year at USC. This is the other part. People think you're not making 50000 at Grand Valley. You might not be making 50000 at USC either, right? And so right. this whole framework, right, the whole logics, uh, you know, from, from, from the top, of the, from the blue bloods all the way down is, is, is ultimately going to pit because I don't think, and I, I think we've all talked about in, uh, as historians and as scholars of sports, we always talk about what, what scholars call the, uh, the Flutie effect, right? Like when, when Doug Flutie won the Heisman, Boston College uh, applications and mission standards got more strict because more people wanted to go and be affiliated. I saw this at Maryland when we went to Sweet 16 my freshman and sophomore year where like 
when I got there in 93, dorms were closed, boarded up. We, you know, people didn't want to live because it was still in the aftermath, like seven years after Lynn Bias. And then by the time we went to two sweet 16s, campus is full. Every every bed is full. So there's a, there's this positive thing. But at some point, there's a diminishing return on that, right? Like at Ohio State, what's the return on being ranked in the top 10 every single year, right? Like at some point, you're not getting the same kind of return as you would at, as UCF got, right, at one point. Florida so Gulf Stream <laughs> or whatever. That right. Is. It was, is it Florida <laughs> Gulf Stream? What's that school? Uh, no, Lob, Florida Gulf Coast. Like Golf Coast, yeah. Dunk Golf City. Dunk City, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like those those little those little variables at times are um, uh, those limitations are um, you know those don't manifest themselves. I mean, the difference in coaches' salary and and assistant pool and all these other things that are going up and up and up. And yes, I understand that the finances are on different sides of the equation, but they still wear the university name on the jersey. They check still say University right. of Kentucky on it, right? Like, or, you know what I mean? Like, right. They can't they go semi-pro. Like, like that that right. model doesn't exist, right? Like, like the advantages that college has is that it's it's just kind of built. We're over the last hundred plus years, we've been Amer- America has been understanding that this is you know this is what football is right it's not semi-pro it's 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 mm-hmm. nothing like that right it's not minor leagues uh we're satisfied with it and so you don't you know Dabo Sweeney could go off and coach a bunch of guys at at you know whatever he can call them the Charleston Tigers no one's going to go see that right unless right. Clemson's on that chest right and so at some point universities have to be the big dog What's interesting to me is like, I probably shouldn't say this, but this is the worst kept secret in the world where, you know, Grand Valley is talking about going D1 and I'm like, my response is, am mm-hmm. I going to get D1 money too? Like what, <laughs> like, like what's going on here? Are we, are, are we, cause, cause y'all going to fund, they're going to fund D1 the way all those low end G5 did fund it, which is through student activity fees. Right. Oh yeah. So oh yeah. Yeah. People, part, people part of it is that, like, yeah. like if we want to just we wanna show them how the sausage gets made. Right. All those new buildings you're talking about at, at Grand Valley is designed to draw more students to Grand Valley. And then at the same time, once they stabilize enrollment at whatever, 25, 30,000, probably, right? We're um, at 25, we are, 26. Yeah, we're about 26. 25. We're about, from what I heard, we're about what were they down. Yeah. Where were they when you started? Were they the same size? Ah, it's probably like 20. Yeah, we've grown. We've grown. And then we're, we grew and then we start. We're like everybody. We stopped growing. Right. And then right. when I say we'll stop growing, that means I think I don't I think I, I think as I whisper, I think white people stopped having kids or something. Like I don't know the math. <laughs> like they did the math and they're like, there's not enough white people to fund this school. And then all of a sudden it's like, we've got a scholarship for Chicago. <laughs> like, okay, yeah. I, see, I see where this is going now. <laughs> I see where this is going. Sorry, sorry, listeners, if you don't like this, but this is this. No, is this how, is, well, this, this is, I think all... this is how admin work, like school recruiting works, right? For these schools, like what, what's the enrollment management? That's, yes. Right. It's like, you know what it is. I just thought of that that's at the top of my dome and it just might be the worst take ever, but it's like, it's like baseball, right? At a certain point, you've tapped all, you know, Jim Crow baseball, right? Mm. Pre Jackie Robinson, you've tapped everything you could tap. There's no more talent coming out of this, right? There's, yeah, and you've got all this this robust minor leagues. Oh, there's only one talent source left here. 
it's black players, right? Whether they're yeah. Latin Americans or, or, or the Negro leagues. And it's like, okay, let's tap, let's start tapping that. Let's start tapping that. And I think this is where we've been the last few years. Like, how do we tap these? If you're in a state of Michigan, right? How do you go? You got to go into Grand Rapids and, and Detroit and, and, you know, Kalamazoo and Battle Creek and pull these students out. How do you do that? Um, and well, that's because we, you know, and I think like in the Midwest, this is true, especially in the Midwest, right? Like those are declining population centers now, right? Like right. Cleveland is not what right. it used to be. Detroit is not what it used to be. Buffalo is not what it used to be. So when we think about those big Milwaukee is not what it used to be in terms of population size, right? So all those, those are the, the, the places that were driving people to the to the state and keeping the population up and fueling not only University of Michigan or Michigan State, but all the region, you know, the directional Michigans and Grand Valley, you know what I mean? Like, so this is what has to happen. And so as population has declined in general, right? Like, I think all these folks are, are really trying to grapple with and trying to figure out where, where are we going to scrape off and, and then the new models about growth. Cause you know, when you're Harvard, for our listeners who may not be in academia, right? For if you're Harvard, you got you know thirty billion dollar endowment. Part of that thirty billion dollar endowment is used to keep the undergrad population at forty five hundred, which is what it's been for the last fifty years. Wow, look at that! <laughs> you know, breaking down. Uh, We're supposed to be talking about black athlete, but here we go. We're giving you the ins and outs of. Well, this is this is very much related group. to black athletes, yeah. though, I think, right? Because I think that one of the questions that at hand when we talk about paying college players and what the NIL does is let off a lot of that initial steam, right? Um, right. But sure. this question, the, but this coaching carousel of these coaches making almost $10 million a year, I mean, they make more than like 20, I, I, saw, I saw this, like more than 20 NFL, most NFL coaches are not making as much as college coaches, right? Um, right. And so part of what we have to ask ourselves is if, if these guys are not at the top of their profession, we see NFL football as the top of their profession. And we're also seeing a handful, a bunch of them not even come close to national titles. Brian Kelly's been to the playoffs twice. They got blown out. Lincoln Riley's been to the playoffs multiple times, got blown out. And they're going to get Mel Tucker's never even been there getting paid out. The what James Franklin hasn't even sniffed this that the playoff right like so we're not talking about the kind of nick saban level dominance that we see at alabama right <laughs> we're talking about teams that want to be in that category but have it are are paying coaches who have not even gotten there um not even close and so i think that that right. that the and, and all that's being fueled by you know black athletes uh, uh on these staffs uh, on these programs and so the question of like you know when do they get you know, why are they working that extra hard? Like they basically have forced them, the NIL is forcing them to do an additional job. If you think of it that right, they got a job in class in theory, right? They got a job in football or basketball. And then they're like, well, you can go make money again on the side. But That's really, how you why don't you just, go. Right. But why don't you go just hire at your time? Oh, right. Go just go pay go them hire for at your the time, time Frederick Douglass. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to get that off. <laughs> You see how I did that there? Go hire at your time. I, I, I'm not I'm not I bringing see, up see. slavery or anything like that. You see what I'm doing? Go hire at your time. I um, see. That was that was deep. That's a deep cut. That's um, deep. And so I think that what we're talking about is is I think that what we're talking about is that framework right there is is trying to understand that. Um so yeah, man, this is something to be uh, to to pay attention to. Um what you doing for the holidays? You heading out of town? What you doing? 
I'm the, like, wow, you're drink? trying to get me robbed like hey, Home Alone? So no, kid, no, we you... are not. <laughs> the Morris, uh, uh, dear robbers, no, uh, the Morris will be home. <laughs> did you? Uh, uh, did you? Are you, are your kids? Do they listen to the pie? What are they getting for the for for Christmas? I don't think they listen. I don't. I don't. You know, um, the boy's like super into Legos, so he's gonna get a gang of Legos. Um, we have an older thirteen year old just into thirteen year old stuff. I think she wants some uh, AirPod type stuff. Um, clothes. And then the youngest is, we have a nine-year-old. She's just, it's so hard. She's into YouTube stuff. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not buying no shop with Mita.com stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> we should be handling 20 bucks. <laughs> you, you getting Legos too. No, I'm just kidding. Um, she's one <laughs> of these hilarious. kids that likes wearing big old hoodies and, and, you know, kind of styling like that. So she's, I guess she'll get a, like a bunch of hoodies. Uh, but I don't take care of any of that. Like this is um, my wife's favorite time of the year. It's my least oh, favorite she... time of the year because like it's boxes on boxes on boxes. And I'm like, dude, like I just want to travel when I'm 65. That's all. But <laughs> you know, yeah, lots of kids right. have. So you know what it means? I got to take, I got to say yes to all these manuscripts. You know what I mean? I got, oh yeah, I will review that manuscript. That is my kid's Christmas money that I got to get back. So you know <laughs> <laughs> i'm awful you and yeah. me both we'll be we'll we'll be spending the break uh reading manuscripts is that what we're doing yeah i said yeah and and i'm like all right because you know you know you know the deal i gotta you know where we we've reached that stage in our in our careers where you know we're, we're sought out and we have an opportunity to you know really help a lot of young uh, people get on and so when i whenever i review your stuff whether it's a manuscript or or chapter i try to give as much input whether it's a yes or a no, just, just to kind of, so, you know, you can build better. So. That's all right. That's all right. Well, happy holidays, everyone. Uh, and are we getting on this? No, cause we're, we're not. We might, we'll see what we, we do. might, we'll, we'll see if something the, pops the, the, off. Yeah. Something yeah. pops off. But other than that, it's just like holidays and just, like I said, I got like five more days of grading. I got some microfilm in. Um, I'm trying to bang those out before the holidays. I ordered these bad boys like two months ago. So. I got to get to them. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Other than that, I think we're good. All right, man. All, All right. right, man. Peace. All right, peace.